Hey, movie fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast. This is episode 89, in which case, we'll be taking a look at famous actors that have appeared in both DC and Marvel movies. Not necessarily the MCU, but we'll, we'll cover that when we get there. That's mainly inspired by our potentially one of the biggest news stories we've ever covered here on the podcast that I never would have seen in a million years, but we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But uh, first... Josh, how are you doing tonight? I'm chilling like a villain, man. Kind of nursing, nursing a bum, bum knee, but I'm chilling. We're just kind of, kind of working hard and relaxing, man. Yeah, I should be going back to work in a few weeks, and that just, Yay. oh, it just makes me happy. Just <laughs> that's good for you, man. Routine and consistency again. Yeah, and uh, not so much time on your hands either. I mean, it's fine, but. No person should have this much time on their hands. Everyone's always like, I like vacation time. Well, you've had plenty of it. <laughs> yeah. You've had absolutely. plenty of time to watch stuff. Yeah, we. which uh, you, you'd you think I would have uh, watched a lot of stuff this week. What have you been watching? <laughs> um, I've been dabbling in some YouTube lately, actually. Uh-oh. Uh, I, I know... I don't know if we talked about it last week, but I remember getting a text from you about it. I, I went and watched the uh, Man of Tomorrow trailer. And? it's Dude, I'm stoked. I, I, it's very rare that I'm excited to see Superman, but I, I'm down for this. I The only thing is, everyone keeps making Archer jokes, cause, yep. <laughs> but I don't care. I, I'm also normally very extremely critical about the voice acting in animated movies. And so far from the trailers, I've loved everybody. Like, I'm pretty critical about Superman voice actors, but Darren Chris actually sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, like, it's not... My, my big thing with, with Superman is sometimes he can be a little too commanding in his voice presence. And I like the fact that because we are going with the Man of Tomorrow Superman, that we are going with this younger guy, he isn't this, like, big, booming voice. He's this kind of, like, kid from Kansas. <laughs> Also, I appreciate that his dad is voiced by Janitor from Scrubs. Yes, it's the best. It makes me excited. And as much as I hate Zachary Quinto's Spock, his Lex Luthor sounds pretty good. And now all of a sudden I really want him as an actual Lex Luthor. Yeah. Um, but Oh, that man of tomorrow. I've, I'm yeah. so excited for that. Are uh, you watching it's, anything else? Uh, I've found a YouTube channel and this is just... If nobody thought, like, really believed me when I said I was a nerd, this will confirm it for you. Um, I found a YouTube channel called Two Set Violin, and it's these two guys that basically just talk about classical music <laughs> and all the things that come with that. And so, it's super interesting to me. One of the best it, podcasts like, I listen to is called The Soundtrack Show, and he basically talks soundtrack design and how it helps the narrative it that's totally fine man <laughs> the last of the video because I've, I've got my mom on it too now uh the last video i watched was uh one where they compare uh two different price points for for violins and what the sound difference is so like one of them's like a thousand dollars and the other's like a million dollar violin and like the you know discussing the difference in sound and all that it's just it's really it's really interesting to me um i mean growing up in a family where my mother has taught piano since i was <laughs> since i was a weed little child like 
classical music's always out of place, so it's been cool. But I mean, other than that, I've just been watching a lot of wrestling. Quick side tangent: What since this whole quarantine thing, what's the weirdest rabbit trail or rabbit hole that you've gone down in your searching or like most out of left field thing that you've watched? Um, that's tough because I already like. My normal YouTube watching is really like what other people would consider rabbit hole stuff. Um, I would, I think there's one, <laughs> there was one video I was watching about, oh, what was it? It was like the difference between the difference between different kinds of bouncy balls and like how, how they make them and, and, how you structure like how you can tell how bouncy they're going to be and stuff it was weird i don't don't remember how i got there but yeah (laughs) mine is it the sad thing is it wasn't just one video it was like a whole six episode series that took place over weeks uh some, some sports channel about like the past 20 years of the Seattle Mariners who I'm a baseball <laughs> fan, but I don't care about the Seattle Mariners. Now I'm like, dude, Seattle Mariners all the way. Cause it was so well done. I'm just like, I'm, I'm feeling, I'm just feeling everything going on in this. Like Ken Griffey Jr. Why did you leave us? And then the savior that is Ichiro comes for a little bit inspired by Ken Griffey Jr. I'm just like, wait, I'm getting choked up about the Seattle Mariners. <laughs> They're like the skid mark uh, on the road of baseball. Yeah, because you're you're a Rockies fan, aren't you? I mean, yes, we do exist. And maybe that's why I cared <laughs> about the Mariners, because it's somebody else that like no one gives a crap about except for the people that are in that area. Yeah. <laughs> like the running joke with Rockies fans is no one ever makes fun of us because no one knows anything about us. <laughs> yeah. Whereas the Astros, I mean... it's, well, pretty easy to make fun of them right now. I mean, yeah, I, it's all you need to me- mention is a trash can. And, uh, and I was about to say, they just they upset. just play like trash. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and everybody wants to sit here and say, I've watched the Astros since I was a kid. No, bro, look. I don't know one person, my dad, because cause he was from that area. So he, yeah, he knows the Nolan Ryan era and those god-awful vomit sunset jerseys, as I call them. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing, man. You used to be able to pay like ten bucks for nosebleed seats, mm-hmm. and you—that's that, not—that's a dream now. No, nope, Rockies crazy. Rock Pile, to my knowledge, is still four bucks. Jeez. But also, those bleacher seats don't have backs, and they're just metal pews. And in the middle yeah, of Colorado summers, no, thank you. Yeah, I'm good. Thank you, though. So thankfully, Minute Maid Park is covered. But oh, still. dude, it's top of my list of ones I want to get to someday. It always looks so beautiful with its Have funky aesthetic and designs. You've never been to Minute Maid? Uh uh-uh. uh Okay, real quick. I mean, we'll we'll get going on what you've been watching re- recently here soon. But I'm curious as to what your top five like uh, baseball stadiums you have not been to that you've want always wanted to go to that I have not been to. Yeah, that you have not been to. Uh, I've been outside of, but not inside Fenway Park. I actually tailgated okay. Game 2 of the World Series in 2007, which is awesome. Okay, uh, okay. Um, but I want to go inside of that, obviously. But believe it or not, my close, like, very, very close second is actually Camden Yards in Baltimore. Okay. Because that was a heavy inspiration for Coors Field, which I still think is one of the most beautiful ballparks. I've always thought that looked gorgeous. Uh, Minute Maid Field 
has to be up there because I think it's got the most unique dimensions. I'm still pissed you guys took out your hill in center field because that was one of the <laughs> coolest and most unique things. Um, yeah. As much as I hate the Giants, I think whatever they call their stadium now because they keep changing it every year. Um, yeah. With the big glove in left field and the McCovey Cove in right. I think that looks fantastic. Um, I never got to Wrigley, actually. Really? I never got to Wrigley. Oh, dude. Wrigley is, I think, my favorite that I've ever been in. Oh, I I wouldn't doubt it. I like any of those old school ones. Like, I have no desire to go to Dodger Stadium just because, yes, I know it's old, but it looks like crap. Whereas Wrigley and Fenway are old, but still look classic. Well, and the big thing with Wrigley is they have all of the surrounding buildings around the park have built up. And so you have actual bleachers on top of those buildings that people can pay to go watch the game at and so it it just like adds to this like aesthetic of everyone's here for 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 the cubs yeah there's like there's some um stadiums that are really high on my list houston always even before the scandal has always been high on my list i'm one of the closest ones that i'm closest to right now is uh the rays i have no desire mm-hmm. like i'll see a game but that field <laughs> looks like crap to me it looks so bad yeah. So the bit real real quick before we move on the uh, thing about the hill in the in center field for Minute Maid, there was like if I remember right, there was a controversy on that uh, what was it that visiting teams had saying that like it affected their way the way that they could play center field. Oh, and cool. so, like, one of the Rockies center yeah, fielders caught it on the run up the hill and just exactly. It's like, it was like so like, get you out adjust. Here. It's fine. Yeah, it, but they, they, they were kind of told to remove it. So I was ah, like, oh, whatever. okay, whatever. So I yeah. got two things for what I've been watching. Um, yeah. Actually, three things. Uh, the first, really mm-hmm. quickly, is uh, I watched the newest Lego DC movie, uh, Shazam! Magic and Monsters, which yeah. I will say, guys, by far the most underrated DC property right now is the Lego movies. If you are not watching them, yes, I know they're like the straight-to-DVD ones, but they are so wickedly funny <laughs> like it's funny to me that they they the deep straight to dvd ones are always so smart so funny and not to really knock the movie ones but yeah yeah like they're they never go full teen titans go in, in terms of being like really stupid humor but they're made for the whole family there's jokes that kids will like but there's jokes that adults and diehard comic book fans will get yeah um so that was really good i wouldn't say it's the best that might still be like one of the batman ones or the flash one was really good uh mm-hmm. but it was it was pretty decent uh then i watched i don't know why it's been in my hbo max queue long enough i watched 2004's king arthur by antoine fuqua why? Uh, thinking that it would be like russell crowe's robin hood i enjoyed this so much more than russell crowe's robin hood <laughs> I will say the second half completely goes off the rails and I'm just going, what is happening and why is Kira Knightley an avatar? Um, <laughs> but hey, that's was, the one with uh, that's the one with Scott Atkins, isn't it? No, I don't think so. Did However, he he's king? probably one of the only people that's not in this movie because I knew it was Clive Owen and Ion Gruffafard, whatever his name is, as um, Arthur and Lancelot. What I didn't know was Mads Mickelson is in it. My boy Joel Edgerton is in it. Um, boy Joel. Um, what's his face? No Pants from Thor was the villain. 
<laughs> no pants. I can't remember. It's like Scars Guard or something. <laughs> no pants. <laughs> Doctor Selvig. There we go. <laughs> I'm just oh picturing God. that scene where he's got no pants in front of Stonehenge in front of in Thor 2. Oh my goodness. But it was okay, maybe it's because I didn't expect Joel Edgerton to be there, but when he showed up, I I literally popped. I was just like, oh hey, it can't be all bad. Joel Edgerton's here. <laughs> also, King Arthur has probably one of the best soundtracks I've heard in a very long time. The music was gorgeous. And so I looked it up later. Of course it's Hans Zimmer. <laughs> of of course. course. However, how yeah, I was waiting on this one. I was waiting for this. Yeah, I know. You saw me post on Facebook. I have a big old fish to fry. So I don't know why. And then I saw the movie and I completely understand why. Scoob is now on HBO Max. So that's how it's supposed to be watched. Completely free on some streaming service so you don't have to pay extra for it. Because good God, this movie pissed me off. Um, <laughs> it is an embarrassment to call this movie a Scooby-Doo movie because it basically loans out the Scooby-Doo characters to try and make Blue Falcon, the character, a thing, and it becomes a superhero movie instead. Wait, what? 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 It is not what? a mystery. This Mystery Machine gang is only together for two scenes at the beginning and the end. They, again, are split up. There's no actual mystery. It is an action movie, which the Blue Falcon and his psychic dynamite are more or less the main characters over Scooby and Shaggy. The voice acting is terrible. It is the worst example I've ever seen of a studio basically going, what do kids in 2020 like? All right, just put a whole bunch of that in this movie. Uh, There's a whole bunch of jokes in this movie that immediately date it and will become outdated now by the time this movie comes out. It is not going to age well. There's a weird Simon Cowell cameo for some reason because that's going to date the movie so well. It's not a Scooby-Doo movie at all. Okay. To save some time, I really got to get this off my chest, but it's going to spoil some stuff. So I'm going to flash up the spoiler. If you care, if you guys want to see Scoob on your own, I'm going to tell you what the plot of this movie is and why it makes me mad. So the plot of Scoob is the villain, Dick Dastardly, who is actually an old Hanna-Barbera character. Uh, Dick Dastardly wants to kidnap Scooby-Doo because Scooby-Doo is a descendant of Alexander the Great's pet dog. And that, what? And Scoob and a descendant of Alexander the Great's pet can open the gates of hell and unlock Cerberus so that he can, what? Dick Dastardly, can get his dog back from hell. What? And I'm going... Um, what? Come again? <laughs> You want Scooby, because he's a descendant of Alexander the Great's dog, to open the gates of hell, but you can't call it hell because it's a kid movie, so they call it the Underworld, so you can get your dog back. In which I'm going, I'm sorry, but that makes me root for the villain more than the hero. Yeah, that's... That's we... Okay, cool, I guess. Yeah, and there's a lot of... Now, don't get me wrong. There's a couple jokes out in here that I actually laughed out loud because they came out of nowhere. But by and large, I raged a lot in this movie going, no, that's not right. Do you know anything about Scooby-Doo? Of like, you saw in the trailer, some cop tries to arrest Scooby-Doo and they're like, what's your name? Scooby-Dooby-Doo. No, that's his catchphrase, idiot. That's not his name. His His name is Scooby-Melvin-Doo, moron. Or Melvin. 
they have some big epic moment of like um fred wears the ascot and rolls into battle i'm like so he just had the ascot in his back pocket and has been wearing it for reasons and you're like yep uh we had to have the ascot at one point also they destroyed the mystery machine how they blow it up or something just so they can head of a shiny oh. new ride and go, please buy the toys. Please buy the toys. This whole movie is very, please buy the toys for this movie. Right okay. down to almost everyone having a superhero costume. <laughs> All right. So it was a cash grab then. Sounds good. Maybe it's a good thing that Matthew Lillard wasn't involved. Oh my God. Shaggy was terrible. All the voice acting was awful. Like I was very much a pro Zac Efron as Fred in a live action form, just because I thought that fit well. No one is trying to be the characters they are. They're just in a recording studio for a little bit, just doing their normal voices. And Will Forte as Shaggy is probably one of the worst Shaggies I've heard in a long time. It was so bad. This is an embarrassment uh... to Scooby-Doo fans. Well, maybe that's why Matthew Lillard wasn't involved. <laughs> yeah, lucky him. Um, yeah. It's just unfortunate yeah. that he had to find out by, like... Twitter. The announcement. Yeah, like, that's that's kind of screwy. Yeah, this movie is not a Scooby-Doo movie. It is a blatant studio going, okay, we have all these Hanna-Barbera characters. Can we spin them off Avengers-style and make their own movies? Like a Blue Falcon or... Uh, there's a couple others that I'm like, really? You're here? No one under the age of 45 knows who you are. <laughs> I mean, there's a part of me that would be really interested to see that, like a boomerang style movie. But at the same time, nobody that that's not going to be for the kids. That's going to be for the adults. Yeah, it was. Mm. Again, I guess technically no harm, no foul, because we haven't had a theatrically released Scooby-Doo Scooby in years. And that trend will now continue. But guys, what were you thinking? And at the end credits, there's like four different writers. And I was like, oh, yeah. That explains it. There it is. So, yeah, at the end, Shaggy spends literally two minutes in hell before he magically comes back because, oh, crap, we accidentally sent Shaggy to hell and we need a writer's way to get out of this. What in the world? <laughs> yeah. And Mark Wahlberg voices the Blue Falcon. It's just. Are, are you trying to say that you don't like Mark Wahlberg? I I don't mind him. I'm still pissed that he's in the Uncharted movie, but um, I don't like <laughs> Mark Wahlberg dabbing in a movie. Because <laughs> uh, that's not going to date it immediately. Soon. We shouldn't hang out anytime soon then. <laughs> <sighs> Just the dab is dead. I'm bringing it alive. All right. Let's move on, man, to a time. A very different time. If we can only go back in time and change things. If only we can go back in time and maybe bring back Michael Keaton ourselves. <laughs> I'm not going to mention the meme that I tagged you on on Facebook. So bad. Um, That's, in his defense, I think too often we think Joel Schumacher is the Batman or Robin guy. And I was that way for a while. He's actually a phenomenal director who got stuck with bad projects. <laughs> but... Oof. So... The big news that's led us to our discussion this week. Uh, that Honestly, I thought the day would never come. But apparently, according to multiple actual credible sources, and I bet this will be announced at Fandome, Michael Keaton 
is returning to the role of Batman in the upcoming Flash movie. Now, some of you are going, in a Flash movie? Why a Flash movie, not his own movie? Well, for those that don't know, there's a storyline called Flashpoint. We're back, think Back to the Future Part 2, uh, where Flash goes back in time <laughs> to change something in his past, and he messes up the future so that way we have Biff as a hotel connoisseur or whatever uh but this time he basically ruins the entire world and he runs into an alternate version of batman um so up until last week there's rumors that jeffrey dean morgan was coming back to be his version of thomas wayne which i was on board with however i'm much much more on board with this and i'll put the caveat out there michael keaton's not even close to my favorite batman but this excites me a lot um josh what are your thoughts on michael keaton coming back as batman I mean, sure. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm kind of with you. Like, he's nowhere close to my favorite Batman. Um, but like, for posterity's sake, like, yeah, I'm down, posterity. dude. Like, I'm, I'm, posterity. Yeah. yeah, I said it right. Should I say it again? You said posterity. No, no, no. That's not what I said. I said what you said. Uh huh. <laughs> um, but just to bring him back is a nice it's a nice little caveat and i think at the end of the day to me this says hey we're going to try to attempt to tell a story with past characters and which you know flash flashpoint is known to be able to do well i think it's actually even bigger than that so this mm-hmm. um this to me makes me think they're trying to connect everything they've ever done. Um, because if you really look at it on paper, of the people that are still alive, Michael Keaton is the earliest superhero we have. We can't do Adam West anymore, unfortunately. May he rest in peace. We can't do Christopher Reeves anymore. May he rest in peace. So chronologically, Batman 89 is the furthest back we can go to bring somebody back to introduce... Right. The entire DC universe. Had Christopher Reeves been alive, I think we have him in this movie instead, actually, to tie everything I, I, together. I would agree with that. Um, I'm just glad that we're not getting, we're not doing Val Kilmer. Kilmer. Uh, yeah, that might be a separate multiverse. But to me, I'm most excited by this news, not because Michael Keaton's back. I still think that's cool for those that are big Michael Keaton Batman fans. To me, this seems like the first time in a while that it seems like DC at least on paper, seems to have some kind of a plan of what they want to do. Yeah, actually have a direction. This feels like they're introducing a multiverse concept from the get-go. And this, if they do it right and be like, everything DC has ever happened exists in the one humongous multiverse back all the way from 1989, that's going to outdo Marvel before Marvel even has a chance to do it in the multiverse of madness. Exactly. Now... We get to the elephant in the room. Uh-huh. It's only a matter of time before we talked about it. Does this at least slightly crack the door open a little bit to the possibility of a Batman Beyond movie? I would say yes. To me, that that's a yes. Now, I the, the big thing, I, point of contention I've had with discussing this with, with other people was some I have a friend who's a big DC fan and a big Snyder guy so great combination I guess um but I mean I love him he's a good guy but uh he was saying 
that they're casting for he was seeing rumors that they're casting for joker for a batman beyond movie and yeah, i've me, seen that that's just no that's not true yeah. they're not coming it's from reliable they, sources yeah, yeah they're not it's not reliable sources also of all the batmans batman beyond's the one that doesn't really have a joker i mean nope, you get they have that an, in, one in awesome the, animated movie but even then they said yeah. that was its own self-contained story exactly because at the end of the day terry doesn't a joker wouldn't doesn't really work with his batman yeah that's how he's evil able to beat joker as easily as he is because he's like hey bruce never laughed with you never laughed at you so i can and it completely throws him off his game it's a completely different dynamic yeah, it is. And uh, it's a dynamic I I don't I want to keep. I don't want Joker if we do a Bat- Batman Beyond. I I think uh Terry's main villain is too cool for for you to be like, "Okay, well it's Batman, so we're going to still do Joker." Yeah, I I've never bought the Joker thing. Like all the rumors that I've seen are uh Johnny Depp and talk to be Joker in Batman Beyond movie. Okay, first yeah. of all, they haven't even announced a Batman Beyond movie. Two, Aren't you all the same people that just said they're doing Johnny Depp for Joker and Robert Pattinson? What is all with you guys wanting Johnny Depp as Joker so bad? Yeah, I'm good. Don't don't give me that. I'm I'm no thank you. Like I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I've seen Johnny Depp be good in certain movies, but I'm just going. Why are y'all insisting that it has to be this one person? Says the guy that wants nothing but Willem Dafoe as Joker. <laughs> also says the guy that uh, Henry Cavill is the only Superman we can get we can have. Well, in my defense, though, <laughs> in my defense, though, I'm, a lot of people want Henry Cavill's back. But it's also the Henry Cavill thing's a little different because we've had good performances from people in good movies. Henry Cavill, good performances in less than good movies. Yeah, I agree. So I'm I feel like he's kind of owed a good movie. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, so this key yeah. thing is also interesting because they've said uh, they want him to do multiple roles and kind of be the mentor figure, like a Nick Fury type character. And I'm going, that's cool and all. Uh, while our, where I'm not cool is people are saying that he's replacing Ben Affleck's Batman. I'm going, that's not happening because Keaton is like 20 years older than him. Yes, he'll probably mm-hmm. be in a suit, like a mechanized suit, but don't expect too much physical activity from this guy. Yeah. It's, it, yeah. Mm. <laughs> well, I mean, I wouldn't mind them bringing Ben back for if we're doing a multiverse kind of thing. I'm okay with that. Yes, but, but Ben I himself really... has turned it down. It's not the studio that's yeah. ignoring him. It's him taking care of himself first. Oh, absolutely. And I, I, I wholeheartedly support that. I also think everyone's, the non-supporters to Pattinson are are very much being like, well, uh, this is still the Twilight guy, and uh, we don't want that. And it's like, okay, well, everybody had issues with Ben when he was first announced. And if you say you didn't have issues with Ben when he was first announced, you're, you're lying. Yeah. Even I had a rage the first day, and then I would calm down with the next going, no, nah, this is actually a pretty good idea. Um, yeah. The last thing we have with the Michael Keaton thing is that there's also talk that he'll be the Bruce Wayne in a potential Batgirl movie, and I'm going, um, I don't know how I feel about that, because that, maybe it's just a stickler in me going, the timelines don't really line up on that, because mm-hmm. in his advanced age, this is probably Batman Beyond era, and in Batman Beyond timeline, Barbara's already like a full-grown adult, and if I remember correctly, isn't she like the commissioner of the GCPD? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, she is. I mean, it, it's it, that timeline doesn't quite work. But then again, if you want to, the the both strength and weakness of the multiverse theory with DC is you can just write off any changes nobody likes to. Well, this is a different universe than the, than the canon one. It's like or, okay, but that's that okay. I worry that they'll not do a Batman Beyond movie and do a Batgirl instead, and kind of have her take place of a batman beyond of like Mm. i'm too old for this so i gotta teach somebody new to do it which Mm. a fee i wouldn't be opposed to a female batman beyond but don't just make it batgirl in the year 2099 type of thing yeah it especially with like how much love terry gets like it's not like nobody likes batman beyond is that that's the big thing is if 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 we all felt like Batman Beyond, like how we felt about uh, oh geez, I just lost it. Red Hood before he's Red Hood. Oh, uh, Jason. Um, yeah, if we all felt about Terry how we felt about Jason before he dies, I would understand. But that's not the case. There's so much love for Terry and for the Batman Beyond series, both comics and TV show, that I feel like if you just kind of dipped and and changed it, it would it would almost feel like a slap in the face to, to fans in, in a certain way. Yeah. I want a Batgirl movie, but I also want it at the same time as a Batman beyond, which mm-hmm. last thing before we move on to our next topic is with a potential for a Batman beyond movie, Michael Keaton coming back and we still have Robert Pattinson's Batman. Do you think there's a possibility of Batman overload or you see this as a good thing? There's always a possibility for Batman overload um, because if DC is known for anything, it's always being too Batman heavy. Oh, yeah. So we'll see what happens. Um, I mean, I hope that these are not the only plans they have. Uh, I'm a little more optimistic just in the sense that the three different Batmans I labeled there are so drastically different from each other that I think audiences would be able to go okay this is the old batman this is our new batman and this is the sci-fi futuristic batman exactly and i mean i would love 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 to see terry on the big screen but you know i'm okay with waiting like the odds of that now are better than they have ever been before which is crazy yeah we're gonna have three batmans and still no superman (laughs) oh man if that doesn't just sum up dc in a nutshell yeah yeah i agree that's assuming though that we can even see movies ever again because gosh dang it people wear your stupid masks because because of you (laughs) morons everything's got pushed back again so now it seems like tenant mulan and bill and ted and also the theaters opening in general has been pushed back as coronavirus cases have spiked again which i'm not surprised but gosh dang it but it's weird to me that at least the Movies themselves that were coming out, all of them have been pushed back by just two weeks. So are we going to get to that point of, okay, we're almost there. Uh, let's push it out just a little bit. Oh, you almost had it. You got to be quicker than that. Yeah, like, and that's, I think last time they moved everything back, that was also something that I said, at least, that like, how, like, just pushing it back two weeks seems like really, really optimistic and seems like really, like, we should be fine by then. Yeah, we should be all good by then. Like, no, but... But also, we were saying that at a time when cases weren't going up, they are going down. But now... Yeah, agreed. 
But now people are being dumb and going, oh, Corona's done? Just take off our mask and party like it's 1999. Yeah. And that's like we don't usually talk uh, current events and stuff like that on the pod. But like, but it's hard not to right now because especially. Yeah, because that is the world we live in. Yeah, it's tough. Um, A lot of the stuff that I'm seeing is because not necessarily people aren't wearing masks in public. It's more so that they're still gathering in large, large amounts. Well, it's also that, but taking the precautions with those crowds. Uh, Heather and I have been to Universal twice uh, since they reopened, and Universal's done a really good job of it's either 25% or 50% capacity for both parks. So you're not going to have a ton of people, but also they're requiring everyone to wear masks. You have to do sanitation before and after every ride that you go on. Like, these are good steps to take that a lot of other places should be adopting. Like theaters, I would think theaters when they open will not be nearly as complicated as like theme parks or anything else. It's just, I don't know. It just seems like the steps we could take are really, really simple, but people don't want to take them. Yeah, it's it's just tough. It's it, because I mean I don't know about you, but I'm I am looking forward to seeing Tenet. I want to see Mulan. I want to see Bill and Ted, and I want to see them in a theater. So yeah. it's like, gosh, come on, guys. We were so close. Yeah, like that's the annoying thing is just it feels like we're getting closer and closer to it, but further and further away. It's like a stretching room type of thing. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's just tough all around. So I I hope that we can come on to the other side of this and not really be worried. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll find it. It's just a matter of time at this point. Just like it's kind of just a matter of time when we get more information about Margot Robbie's starring and producing the Pirates redo. Yeah, yeah. I'm not wow. gonna lie. Okay, you're 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 sad. I am actually, because so here's where it gets really complicated, and I had to like double, triple, and quadruple check from multiple sources that I didn't just imagine that Karen Gillan got announced for a Pirates reboot too. That hasn't been scrapped. Apparently, that also is still happening. So we're getting not one but two completely separate but distinct own pirates reboots from two completely different people and i'm going wait what yeah <laughs> i didn't know if this was replacing the karen gillen thing which may would have made me even more mad um but no it's happening as well as and these movies from what i've heard aren't connected at all they're just two completely separate unconnected pirates reboots and i'm going wait what what if they're doing like how do I explain this? Like anthologies? I mean, maybe. But also, when I saw this, I was like, cool. But it wasn't the <laughs> level of excitement that I had when they said Karen Gillan's doing a Pirates. Because as much as I like Car- as much as I like Margot Robbie, I think Karen Gillan fits this type of role better. Mm-hmm. Like, I like Margot Robbie. I think she's a really good Harley Quinn. She's a really good dramatic actress. I've just really enjoyed Karen Gillan more in action stuff lately. And maybe it's also, I just enjoy Karen Gillan more horror actresses for life. Um, 
But yeah, when I saw this, I was like, it, for lack of a better term, and I'm sorry, I'm going to have to go there. It kind of took the wind out of my sails a little bit going, I hate oh. you. <laughs> like it just confused me, but also went another one. Yeah, it, it's weird. It's really weird. I I'm with you on being confused because there's two of them. Like it doesn't make sense to me. Um, also, I'm also way more down for Karen. <laughs> yeah, like I like Marco Robbie, but I like Karen more. Yeah, at least in and, this respective role. Uh, yeah, and now granted, you know, trailers and stuff could come out, and I could we could change our minds. But I mean, as it as just on paper, this is kind of like you said, it takes the wind that winds out of the sails. I mean, really, the only positive thing I'm having right now is that John, Johnny Depp isn't involved. Which, um, this to me kind of feels like Margot Robbie and. So the person that's writing this has written a lot of her stuff, like Birds of Prey and stuff like that. It kind of felt like the two of them were just like, I have an idea. Let's pitch it to Disney. Disney's going, oh, yes, you're Margot Robbie. Let's do it. And Karen Gillan's over here going, guys, I had one. Oh, yeah, we'll make yours, too. People won't get confused. Yeah. We'll see what happens. I mean, at the end of the day, like. I'm hoping that maybe they combine them, but even that idea isn't particularly attractive either. I have a feeling one of them might end up getting scrapped, and I have a bad feeling that it might be the Karen one. Yeah. It's just weird. Of like Reboots happen all the time. We knew Pirates re- was getting rebooted, but to do two separate reboots at the exact same time for something. Yeah, that's really, really weird. Yeah. It's almost like, all right, so we're going to re- re- reboot with Karen, but we feel like that's already going to fail, so we're going to go ahead and schedule another reboot for a few months later. Which, it might sound like heresy, but I'm going to stick by my guns here. As it stands right now, I'd probably say Karen Gillan is a bigger box office draw than Margot Robbie. I, at this point, I would agree. Because... She um, was, no, did Infinity War and Endgame, but also yeah. did the both Jumanji movies, which both were really big successes. And while I didn't mind yeah. Birds of Prey, it did not do very well at the box office. No, it didn't. In fact, most of Margot Robbie's movies don't do well at the box office. And I, I don't, I'm not saying It's not that. for her fault, though. Yeah, it, then that's, that's the hard part with it when it comes to Margot, because it's not... She's one of the best parts of Suicide Squad. She's one of the best parts of of, of uh, Birds and Birds of Prey. Like all movies she's in, she's great in. But the movies themselves don't do well. Legend of Tarzan. Mm. Yeah, I yeah. hated that one. Although our boy <laughs> Jaiman Hansu, once again, best thing about that movie. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's just weird. And again. Disney, why do you have two reboots at the same time when, in reality, what you should be working on is rebooting Haunted Mansion? I mean, I'm not against the idea. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, we'll see. I, honestly, I think I'm more excited about our next story than I am anything Pirates Club related. Same. I'm actually, like, super on board. When I found this headline, I told Heather, and we both at the same time were like, yep, that's perfect casting i can't think of literally anybody else so yep we are getting a live action magic school bus movie which i'm already on board for that just yes 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 
but we've already found the most important part of the movie in Miss Frizzle, and that'll be played by Elizabeth Banks. Yes, Absolutely. yes, sign me up. Just, yep, can't agree more. Perfect casting. Yeah, dude, she plays, I, I am always a fan of her acting. Like, she's one of the best things about that Power Rangers movie. Oh, no, disagree on that one. No, she's She great. sticks out like a sore thumb in that movie. Because she's acting way better than everyone else. No, she's acting like a character from the 90s show, whereas everyone else is trying to do a good modern drama. <laughs> also, I'm so glad you brought that movie up. Guess what's still in my liked videos playlist on my YouTube channel? Um, what? Your news report saying that she got cast in that Power Rangers movie. <laughs> Back when I had a YouTube channel. Oh, man. And you, for some Jeez. reason, called her Lizzie Banks. Because it was funny. I don't know what you want from me. I was trying to be unique, okay? <laughs> Getting back to the Magic School Bus, though, just yes. Yes, yes, yes. As long as you yeah, don't cast absolutely. a Stranger Things kids just because they're kids. Oh, I mean, dude, the, the, my only quip I think I would have is that I almost would prefer a live-action TV show over Ooh, a movie. Yes. But the budget would suffer, and then it wouldn't look as good as it possibly could. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm, but I am here for Elizabeth, uh, as for Lizzie Banks as <laughs> Miss Frizzle. Yeah. It, just perfect. I don't know what the story would be, but uh, it just could be so much fun. Um, it really could. If the most recent Dora movie has taught me anything, it's don't write anything off just because it sounds like it could be a dumb idea. I think this, <laughs> could, this could really, really work, provided they don't go to the super extreme territories that the show did sometimes. Like that one time that they went to space and a child got murdered because he took his helmet off. Yeah. Hey, and kids, don't take your helmets off in space. Thing. Your head's going to freeze. <laughs> Oh, or the time they went in inside Arnold to see why he was turning orange. Yeah. And then came out as rectum. <laughs> did oh, the, man. I can't remember. Did the bus ever speak? No, but the bus never speaks, even though it has a smile. Oh, the, I see that getting changed, though, for some reason for this. Like, with the bus being voiced by Danny Trejo or something. Oh, I would be there for that. I am so there for that. He was greatest boots in Dora the Explorer, but <laughs> of just I just Shout picture it. some to, kids to... like a minute or two late, and the mistress is like, "Welcome aboard!" And the bus goes to like something like, "He was two minutes late again. Happens again. We're leaving without his sorry butt." <laughs> and it's it's Danny Trey. <laughs> oh. I am so here for that. I just recently saw a trailer for a Danny Trejo documentary that's going to be coming out soon, and I'm going to be all over that. Is it just called Trejo? <laughs> no, <laughs> it's like from from prison to 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 riches or something like that. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm so, all on board for a live action Magic School Bus movie. Maybe someday. And again, maybe it's just my hope and dream. Maybe we can cross over with a Magic uh, Treehouse movie. Yeah, <laughs> you know, if that ever happens. Gosh dang it, Netflix, you're supposed to be working on that. Uh, I think they're too busy trying to not go out of business. But yet they're making really, really weird King Arthur 
stories with Catherine Langford as the lady in the water. Yep. But <laughs> what doesn't look weird, but looks outstanding is the King's man, which I think is still scheduled for September, but um, nothing is certain at this time in the world because nope. <laughs> everything's on fire and it's all horrible. It's that meme with the dog. This is fine. Yeah, this is fine. This is this is all fine. However, what's crazy with each passing so trailer. To me. Hmm? Yeah, with each this passing trailer, it gets better trailer. and better. I think. Yeah, what's so crazy is I remember when the first trailer came out, and you were like, "I'm not impressed. I don't care. Mm-hmm. This does not get me hyped at all." And I mean, if I wasn't hyped before, I'm definitely now. The only thing I have is this trailer had weird music choices but yeah but that's just because the last trailer had such good music uh this this felt weird um but this definitely felt more like a kingsman movie yes but like an early version of it almost like a uh x-men first class to an x-men type of movie yes um i love the gag at the end with the throwing knives and he just runs out because i'm like oh thank god that finally happened to somebody because it always just seems like for some reason you never run out of bullets and you never run out of throwing knives yep but like it's i think my only complaint and it's such a weird complaint not um, enough Gemma arterton no actually i think it's that the the sun is too pretty i think he looks like what's his face from 1917 yeah, it, it's there's something like he just looks. He looks like a sexier version of of, of Peter from the uh, Narnia movies. William Mosley. Yep. <laughs> Actually, I have one other complaint, and it's this is gonna be a super weird one. I I think it's kind of a mistake that they show that there's like some head of a organization that clearly mm-hmm. won't be the villain for this movie. Like, they're already setting yeah. up that, that we want this to have a sequel. Like, it looks like yeah. Rasputin is supposed to be the villain. And he, he looks awesome, even though he looks like he just left lead singing duties as corn. Um, <laughs> tell yeah, me he doesn't look like Brian Head Welch. Yeah, but, like, that seems so accurate to me as well. Like, if I, like, all of the myths and legends about Rasputin, like, that's what I feel like he would look like. Yes, but, yeah, he... Clearly, it looks like he's supposed to be the main villain. But then we get that boardroom scene where he's got a boss. I'm just like, why didn't you just save that till the end of the movie when we're in the theater? Why Why are you showing it to us that now? That's really, really weird. Unless that villain is somehow in the main story, but I don't know. May, yeah, maybe Rasputin actually turns out to be the first, like the first mission kind of thing. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, happy to see Jaiman Hansu. Always happy to see him. Mm-hmm. super underrated he needs more love also fingers crossed that this is like the big screen or the major blockbuster return of Gemma Arterton because she's been doing small stuff but please come back we haven't seen you since Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters and we've missed you yeah no seriously because she looks great and she looks like she fits the role perfectly mm-hmm. for this yeah I, I agree this is Ray Fine's movie and he seems perfect i i've come a long way with this movie and i'm really excited if it ever comes out (laughs) yeah if anything ever comes out ever i hope this movie does every job from here on out will be work from home jobs for the rest of eternity 
Mm, so we better be paying the people that are in store more. Anyway, um, mm. <laughs> so for our last news topic today, it is a late breaking, like a couple hours before we hit record on this to the point of had to tell Josh, oh, hey, I updated some of the graphics for this last story. Um, but it's absolutely <laughs> yeah, worth talking about know. because it's one of Josh Nice's all time favorite properties. The Ninja Turtles apparently are getting a animated movie reboot so it's not going to be live action continuing the continuity with michael bay thank god thank god um, although out of the shadows was at least better than the first one but still wasn't great um it's yeah it, it's weird that out of the shadow shadows was, was both equal parts better and equal parts worse than yes. the first casey jones <laughs> yeah yeah that's a whole other diatribe that we can have um yeah, yeah we're apparently getting a cgi animated reboot of the turtles from executive producer seth rogan and the writer of sausage party i'm not at all nervous about that but (laughs) but i mean the reboot they're doing is of the uh the tmnt movie that came out what was it 2007 2007 oh wow is it really that long ago yep which wow which also, quick side note, we're going to have actors with multiple comic book roles. Chris Evans has to take the cake for most ever because he's in that Ninja Turtles as well. Oh, wow. Was he um, uh, one of the turtles? Yes, I think he's either Leo or Raft. Uh, no, maybe okay. Casey Jones. Let me look. Uh, but yeah, he's also I, I, in that as well. Yeah. But I don't do, I really, really liked that film. I, I think it's really underrated. About. Yeah, it's really enjoyable. And so, I mean, it, it, yeah, I'm down. Um, remake will be interesting. Uh, yeah, he's Casey Jones. Be... Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> he probably would have made a better Casey Jones than Stephen Amell. Anyway. Um... Not hard. <laughs> but then again, I don't. Okay, real side change. I don't think that's Steve's fault because they made Casey Jones into something that Casey Jones isn't. So Yeah, they're like, we got Stephen Amell. We have to show his face as much as humanly possible. So people yeah, know that's Casey Jones. Make make this uh, this anarchist um, who was willing to be a vigilante into a cop. Like, get out of here. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what story direction would you go with this? Um. Let's see. We if we're doing a reboot of the original, I think we're I just honestly, rebooting the turtles in general. Yeah. I honestly really, really do like the idea of post Le- them sending Leo or Splinter spending Le- uh, sending Leo away for a little bit of time so that he can get better and become a better leader. Because if, if there's anything that irritates me more about the Turtles, and even though I love them so much, it's that Leo is consistently a terrible leader. Oh, yeah. Raph is a much better leader. He is. And while Raph is my favorite, I don't like well, him. Yeah. In the, I, I mean, I like him better in the muscle role. So I need I would really, really like Leo to what they did with the original or with the 2007 TMNT in that they were basically were like, all right, Leo's been gone for a bit and now he's back and now he's a better leader. And we're, so we can actually deal. I mean, yes, Raph and Leo will always have issues because they're they're the most like brothers than out of the four. They're literally Jason Todd and Dick Grayson. Yeah, the 
out of the four, like they act the most like siblings. It, it's so uh, that dynamic will always be there, but you know, you, you, that's a tale of, of, as old as time. Um, I would be interested in maybe, maybe not going with shredder right off the bat. I don't know how you would swing that. See, I but, would because we didn't in the 2007 one. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, you're right. We didn't. You're right. I always forget that that they used that they went overload on the mutant storyline, basically. Yeah. Um. We just got Krang, and it was weird and out of the shadows. Also, Krang is a very '80s character, and he trans. Mm-hmm. It's really really hard to translate that. Uh, but then again, it's an animated movie, so maybe uh, I would stick with Shredder just because if they're trying to get strip it down back to basics. You, you just got to go shredder for that. Also, who was his sidekick in um, the animated series with the blonde ponytail? Oh, jeez. Because bring him back. I loved him. Yeah. Honestly, at this point, if anything, I need a reboot of the TV show the, uh, um, the, that you and I grew up with. The 2003? Yeah. That thing was the best. So good. Um, but mark me down at least for curious. Um, yeah. Uh, comedy people coming into a property that they aren't normally familiar with. In years past, I'd be more wary. But ever since um, David Gordon Green and Danny McBride did 2018's Halloween, I've been much more open with it because they completely mm-hmm. saved that franchise. Um, so... Mark me down for at least curious. And it can't be nearly as bad as the thing is we make fun of the live actions and stuff like that. No matter what happens, the turtles have always gone through worse. Yeah. Cause no franchise has been more exploited and had some crappy material than the turtles. I mean, everyone says three is bad, but no one even mentions four. So Ugh. stupid Venus <laughs> de Milo or, yep. Like, you bring up four, then you got to make me talk about the Christmas special. Got a gift, a no. gift for Splinter. No, that never happened. I don't know what you're talking about. They never so made yeah, a special like for that. For all those people thinking the Michael Bay live action ones were the worst thing, hmm, they're bad, but by no means the worst thing that's ever happened in Ninja Turtles. Yeah. I mean, you can say all you want about the, you know, before we move on to our discussion, you can say all you want about the Michael Bay ones. Um, at the end of the day, for the most part, and I'll give it like an like an 80%, he gets the turtles right, for the most part. Yes, for the most part. And again, Michael Bay didn't technically direct them, but they feel like Bay movies. They feel like Bay him. Yeah. Yes, they do. And there's some really fun scenes in those movies, too. They're like, even the second one has some great action, but the stories and characters are just a little tad off. Yes. Uh, Josh, you got a sponsor for us this week? Um, yeah. Um, today's episode is sponsored in part by Epsom salt. Put it in the water so it can relax your, your muscles while you destroy your body on a daily basis. And just remember, don't turn salty. Oh, get out of here. <laughs> get out. Go away. You ruined my sponsor. <laughs> that's that's how it goes. All right. So in or in honor of the Michael Keaton news, I almost said Michael Bay. My brain's still 
it's still there, apparently. Uh, in honor of the Michael Keaton news, we thought about other actors that have graced the world of both Marvel and DC projects now that Keaton has successfully jumped ship from one and now jumped ship back to the other, which especially we didn't talk about this at the main discussion, but does this completely screw over Sony if Kevin if Michael Keaton does this? Well, I'm wondering if he has an exclusive, like an exclusive contract or just like. Clearly not. (laughs) It's Michael Keaton. He does whatever he wants. He's Batman. (laughs) He's also Birdman. Yes, but also he's the vulture. We'll get into that in just a second. We'll we'll kick off with Michael Keaton. But what we're going to do is we've got 10 different names of actors that have been in both Marvel and DC projects in at least some substantial role. There are some people that have cameos or very small roles like Taika Waititi being in both Ragnarok and Green Lantern or Stan Lee being in every Marvel movie ever and Teen Titans go to the movies. Those don't really count. So we have 10 in no specific order. Uh, Actors have been in both Marvel and DC. We're going to break down both their roles and then we'll give our respective thoughts on which one we think they did it better in. So, like, Michael Keaton. (laughs) Some of these are not even contests. (laughs) Oh, no. But at least in my estimations, it's a pretty even split between DC and Marvel. Not quite 50-50, but I try to make it balanced. So we'll start us off with Michael Keaton, the inspiration for us today. Uh, Obviously, started things off big in Batman 89 as the Batman and Bruce Wayne. But then, flash forward many, many years later... And he's in the MCU as the Vulture, in which case he's probably one of, if not the best villains in all the MCU. And probably, other than the snap, one of the most surprising and heart-stopping moments in Spider-Man Homecoming when he answers the door. Um, Mm -hmm. Both of these, this is the one that's probably the closest for me. I know some people are going to be mad at that and go, Batman, 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 Batman. uh, Because people are so gung-ho about Michael Keaton's Batman. But I think... To do that would be to sleep on how good he was as the Vulture. Because oh, yeah. Marvel villains sucked for a while, but he was like a bright beacon. And also, is one of the only times that they've changed the mythology of a character, and I liked the change. Yeah, I, I agree. Of giving him motivation of why he steals, but also, oh crap, your daughter's now Liz Allen. <laughs> I think I, I, I'm going to go with you on this in that I like his performance as Vulture better. Partly, again, really? yeah, I agree. I, I, I would agree that I don't think I have as much emotional connection with uh, his Batman. But I definitely, I think his performance as a villain has always been stronger, and I think part of that is the way his ca- of his, he his cadence works, the way he carries himself, and even down to the part to the part where how he his face looks, he just looks like a villain. See, that's not where I was going. I actually think I like him better as Batman because, as great as he was as Vulture, without Keaton's Batman, we really don't have what we have today. Um, like Christopher Reeves as Superman is one of the most defining iconic superhero roles of all time in terms of setting the precedent and making superheroes movies work on the big screen. But then after Superman two, Superman more or less just crapped the bed and ruined the name superhero movies for a while. 
and then were ultimately saved by Keaton's Batman movies, I think his role cannot be understated. And I think that's primarily why I lean more on Batman, just the cultural significance um, and the fact of, well, he's not our favorite Batman. He wasn't a lot of other people's favorite Batman when he got cast because he got internet hate before there even was internet. That's just now iconic. Um, but I, it's hard for me to overlook the contributions to the future of superhero movies as him as Batman, which is part of the reason why I'm so excited to see him come back to it. Because I think he's only gotten better as an actor since he's been away. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I'm down. I mean, uh, I don't disagree about his, his, how significant his Batman role was to the, to the world of comic book movies. I just find that I, I prefer his performance as Vulture better. And, and partly probably because Spider-Man Homecoming is a better movie. Yeah. Um, we got some other names. Josh, where do you want to go next? Let's, you know what? Let's stay on this Batman train. You want to do Affleck? Let's do Affleck, man. Which also, he's technically also been Superman when he played George Reeves, but we're only caring about Marvel and DC or else certain people on this list, Chris Evans, Ryan Reynolds, would have like five to seven appearances. Yeah, jeez. What's, so, I mean, for, for Ben Affleck, uh, he f- appeared first as Daredevil, oof. and then years later, as I know, at least for mine currently, my favorite version of Batman. So which one was he as blind as a bat for? Oh, gosh. It, it, and you know what's really funny is I almost want to say Daredevil. because What? Because what? The, the movies that he he's in are as Batman are 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 not great. <laughs> yeah, but individual performance wise. <laughs> oh, okay. So now individual performance matters. <laughs> it's always mattered. <laughs> but look okay. at the greatest like. The Keaton thing is that's greater significance as a whole because of that performance. But I mean, without Daredevil, we wouldn't have stopped making comic book movies for years. <laughs> they never stopped, dude. Yeah. Well, 2003 was Daredevil. Then 2004 was Fantastic Four and Elektra. Then 2005 oh, was Batman Begins. Oh, no. Stop. Okay. Yes. Elektra is still a thing. Don't worry, yeah. Jennifer Gardner. <laughs> You're not on the list today. You're lucky. <laughs> Do you, have you ever seen the uh, Nostalgia Critic review of Electra? Yes, it came out like a week or two ago. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. <laughs> the extended yeah. cut of Daredevil, I will say, is at least a little better. Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> Bullseye is literally one of the best characters in that movie. That's because Colin Farrell's amazing and he's getting redemption <laughs> as Penguin, but he has nothing to redeem because he was he knew exactly what type of movie he was in. Oh, yeah, he did. Although, Cr- he's not my favorite thing about that movie. Oh, yeah? Michael Clark Duncan is Kingpin. Oh, yes. Like It's a good version. Sorry, good version I, I know current Daredevil is awesome with Vincent D'Onofrio, but Michael Clark Duncan is what I always picture as Kingpin. Yeah, big dude. Just big, a hoss. Big, big also, we can yep. talk about Michael Clark Duncan a little bit later. 
We could. We but could indeed. We're not done I, with Affleck yet. Batfleck. Yeah. So you would. I, I. I don't think I would have to make an argument here that uh, bat, his performance as bat, bat as Batman is is better. Oh yeah, it's clearly Batman. <laughs> Although we could have up for debate which one of these heroes kills more people. Uh, <laughs> I mean, because both of them, supposedly for being heroes, kill a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, Daredevil literally gets a guy cut in half by a subway train. So. Yep, and he just goes at the end. I'm not the bad guy. Um, and, bro, you were clearly. Are you the sure? Bad guy. <laughs> you are clearly not a good dude. Yeah, you you're you're the bad guy. All right, so we're in agreement. Batfleck on this one. Oh, all the way. First one that we agree on. Um, <laughs> although, last thing on Daredevil before we move on. The criminally underrated performance of the man who would go on to save comic book movies, John Favreau as Foggy Nelson. Yeah, <laughs> he's in the film as, uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> he, he doesn't change much from then to down, honestly. <laughs> no, see, that, John Favreau, makes me think more along the lines of, like, um, swingers and wedding crashers. Fair, fair enough. So, uh, Michael Clark Duncan we talked about was in uh, Daredevil as Kingpin, but he was also picture-perfect casting in 2011's Green Lantern. Wait, was he Kilowog? Yeah, he was. I, how did I not know this? He's got such a distinct voice, man. I know, like, it was one of those, like, I know that voice from somewhere, but I can't place it. And this is Green Lantern, so I don't really care that much to, to see who ruined their careers with it. Yeah, when we did that for Five Good Things, I was like, it's not as bad as I remember. We watched it, oh, yeah, it's worse. It's, it's, it's not it's like Spider-Man 3 or Batman and Robin, where I can at least defend parts of it. I was like, oh, nope, this is, this is bad. However, <laughs> something I can defend in Gr- Green Lantern, besides Michael Clark Duncan's Kilowog being picture perfect, is Ryan Reynolds... I know he hates this movie, but he's actually trying, and I think he's a really good Hal Jordan. So that's his DC role. And take your pick for Marvel. He's been in that god-awful Blade Trinity, uh, but more importantly to everyone else, he's Deadpool. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, he was Deadpool in, Br- in Blade Trinity anyway, so... Yeah, that's that's my kind of my issue with him as Deadpool. He's great, is it? But he's just Ryan Reynolds with a red mask on. Yeah, because he plays Deadpool basically twice before the actual movie. Yeah, well, he kind of plays Ryan Reynolds slash Deadpool in every role that he's in. Correct. Except for maybe Buried. um, Or Voices or uh, The Proposal. But even then, there's still a lot of Ryan Reynolds in that. Yeah. But he's great. I still think he's great in both Daredevil and Green Lantern. Um, I would agree. One of those is significantly better than the other. See, the interesting part about this is and because he usually just kind of plays Ryan, Ryan Reynolds, um, I almost want to put his performance as Green Lantern above Deadpool. Really? Because, because as much as I like Deadpool and as much as Deadpool is a better film than Green Lantern, I feel like he's kind of just acting like Ryan Reynolds in, in Deadpool, whereas him as Hal Jordan is something different than really what he kind of normally does. Okay. I still, 
I got to go with Deadpool because that's just what his now iconic character is. And the fact that he can still make fun of his Green Lantern character, even though he's great in Green Lantern, um, I think his Deadpool one is just iconic now. And also how much ownership he took of that character to make it as good as it is. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, I'll give you that too, yeah. Also, I'm pretty sure I'm in a minority about this, but I actually like the second Deadpool more than the first one. I'm curious as to why. I don't know. It just, I think I like the story better. Um, it also feels less, for lack of a better term, family guy-ish. Um, like, the jokes feel a little more coherent. I like the expansion of the world with... The Juggernaut and uh, Cable. <laughs> oh, I, I like mean, the tight team dynamic better. That's fair. I, I think the comedy is definitely, the humor is definitely different. I think if we're going humor alone, I like De- the Deadpool 1 better. But I, for the reasons you've just said, I, I do think I, I would also prefer Deadpool 2. Now, watch caref- well, watch or listen carefully to this segue. You know who else okay. is in Deadpool 2? Cable, played by Josh Brolin. And you think, okay. Thanos? Well, yes, he's been multiple Marvel characters. But did you know he's also been in DC? But he'll probably want you to forget he ever was. Because <laughs> not only was he Thanos slash Cable, but today we'll just be talking about Thanos. In DC, he played Jonah Hex. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Okay. Um, have it's a you dark seen time Jonah for Hex? DC. Yeah. Have you seen it? Yeah. I have not. So I got no voice on this one. <laughs> so for those that don't know, Jonah Hex is a DC property of like an old school cowboy character with a weird face. And it has Megan Fox. And it was in those dark days. Like this came out either like right before or right after Green Lantern. And it's. In that same vein, it's, oh boy, it's bad. It's real bad. It's bad. I mean, he's great as Thanos. I mean, it's hard to, the the big thing about Thanos was it, it, it did carry a certain amount of weight and expectation because we'd been building to this for 13 movies. And if you can't perform a, you know, a good Thanos, then like the whole last two films are just not good yes which i will throw out the honorable mention he's great as cable as well but i think the thing we're going to remember him for the most is thanos and people will be like but it's just motion capture motion capture is really difficult people a lot more difficult than you want to give it credit for but yeah i think his thanos is outstanding and i can't picture any way to do it better than what he did yeah well absolutely so yeah i think this is pretty easy here it's gotta be it's gotta be thanos because no one wants to remember jonah hex more like let's move on to jonah next oh that was a bad one the only person that was bad one of the only people that could go toe-to-toe with thanos i'm gonna ignore you only people that could go (laughs) toe-to-toe with thanos was our boy chris evans and some people are going really Yes, Chris Evans has been in a ton of comic book movies. Yes, you know him as Human Torch. Yes, you know him as Captain America. We talked about how he's in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. But what DC movie was he in? One with a lot of other 
MCU actors like Idris Elba or Zoe Saldana or other DC actors like Jeffrey Jean Morgan in a movie called The Losers. Underrated film. Yes, I it enjoyed is. the crap out of it. Even if it is at times feel like Discount A-Team, which came out the same yeah. year, which I like yeah. more. <laughs> it definitely feels like um, A-Team with a more like adult rating. Yeah, that, that's all <laughs> it is, really. Uh, but yeah, that's but exactly what it is. It's one of like the offshoot, like Dark Horse or something, but made by DC. Um, yeah. That's not the only time we'll see a not specifically mainstream DC comic represented here today. We'll go with that. Um, but yeah, we've said it before. The Losers, I think, is pretty underrated. People don't talk about it a whole lot nowadays. And considering how stacked the cast is for that, like, I feel like every couple months I'll still see that one clip where he has his back to the wall and he's got that sniper like thousands of feet away and he pretends to pull out the handguns. Yep. <laughs> but gotta stop beating around the bush. Let's be honest. This is not even close. No, Chris Evans is Captain America for life. We're trying, man. I was trying because he's he is fun. He is good. He's good in every comic role I've seen him in. Even Human Torch, like those are terrible movies, but he's great in that. Um, he's trying at least, yeah. But this man was born to be Captain America. Like it's he's iconic as Cap. Yeah, I can't picture. I know like John Krasinski supposedly missed out on the role because he's too busy being Mr. Fantastic. Um, it I can't see anybody else but Chris Evans now. Like and I couldn't say that at the beginning just because I don't know. I just didn't buy it at first. But over time, I'm just like, yep, this is Captain America. He's just perfect. Well, and I think a part of that is because we've grown along, the audience has grown along with the character um, of Cap, as Chris Evans has kind of slowly over films, given him more and more layers of emotional depth that we've been able to build, he's built the character along with us. Yes. Um, it Just coming from where he came now being ripped away from his own time period to come into our time period. We just, we get behind him. He's just perfect as Cap. So as much as we like the losers, it's not even close. He was <laughs> yeah. better for Marvel. So let's talk about one that I am intrigued about which performance you like different, you you like with Tom Hardy. I was wondering when we get there. And, and it's funny that I, I didn't even intend to be the one to to bring up Tom, but um, I think the dynamic we've got going on here is interesting because some of these roles that that like Chris Evans, like uh, Ryan Reynolds, it's not really even a question on which performance is better. But with Tom Hardy, if you're comparing Venom and Bane, it's I would say it's it's kind of a hard comparison. Yeah, because they're completely different movies. So they also I think they require different types of acting for this as mm -hmm. well, because they're very different movies. Like Bane is a very serious. Um, you have to act just with your eyes and your um, facial features more than anything else, whereas Venom is more doesn't take itself quite as seriously so he's allowed to have more fun with it um mm -hmm. 
and it's more just a straightforward superhero action movie. I uh, agree. They're just very different roles. They are, and it's hard to compare them, but I... Th- <sighs> mm. I think I know who I'm leaning towards, but I'm curious okay, to hear your thoughts forward. first. I, I, I'm not sure, honestly, because of how different the roles are um, and because of my disdain of what Bane ends up being in the film. Um, it's I, I might I think I'm going to have to go with Venom. That's actually who I'm going with, too. I think he's better yeah, as Venom because he's having I, I do so s- much fun with it, because typically when we see Tom Hardy in a movie, he's the big he's the strongest guy in the room he's always the pretty confident one the strong silent type whereas venom he's kind of playing against type like being dragged every which way by the symbiote going i have no idea what's going on but let's do it um and it's kind of a different (laughs) side to him that i thought was a lot of fun like venom itself is not a great movie but it's still a fun movie and i feel like tom like really just leaned right into that wackiness but never became like cheesy over the top with it there are times yeah. that i'm just scratching my head going what is happening like when he's sitting in a tank eating a lobster um but even then i think he was just enjoying himself a little too much with that yeah well in, in even then you can be like well that's venom coming out the venom personality of like i just need to eat um but like yeah no i agree though like i i think there's a more something to be said about the emotional range big air quotes that he's able to do with venom in comparison to what what no uh christopher nolan is calling bane which credit where it's due of he just has to act with his eyes for most of the dark knight rises but i'm still not Mm. quite happy of it's gonna be a weird complaint but his physique in dark knight rises kind of disappointed me because he was kind of chubby Whereas the movie I saw literally right before Dark Knight Rises with Tom Hardy, Warrior, he's the most terrifying human I've ever seen. Yeah, and I think if we would have gotten that version um, of Bane, where he is a fighter, he is like, yes, he's he's smart and he's diabolical, but at, at his core, he's you know he's he's a luchador, he's a fighter, man. Like I, I feel like that would have done so much more for him to because isn't like the really the only the first time we really see him fight is the scene where he breaks the bats back and that's such an awkward fight like the choreography and that's so bad it is and And also the fact that there's no music really hurts it for me i think i agree because it doesn't i know i know what they were trying to do but it doesn't achieve that because there's no you can only do that when there's actual emotional weight behind this the scene yeah it they wanted to add mass to make him bigger, but I'm like, he was lean and terrifying in Warrior. Like that, that scene where he knocks out the guy with the mohawk and one punch mm-hmm. and just storms out of the cage. The look in his eye still scares me to this day. Going, oh, that's a beast you don't want to mess with. I agree. And if they had somehow figured out how to do that and incorporate venom so just like really make him huge and then he's got that look in his eye oh we're done for but at the end of the day his performance of as venom is is much better yeah they're both fine um i can go either way with it but i think we just had more fun with venom so he played the famous batman villain bane now there's someone that 
for some reason, this movie is not connected to Batman at all, but it's another Batman villain slash ally with Catwoman. Can't be <laughs> Anne Hathaway, though. We got to talk about Halle Berry because <laughs> she double dipped. She's been Catwoman for DC and Storm for Marvel. And again, this is one of those that is not even a comparison. <laughs> Although, let's be fair. There's plenty that we can make fun of for both. Oh, yes. But at the end of the day, her performance of as Storm is so much more bearable. Even with her terrible accent that she just kind of forgets about after like the second or third movie. Yeah. And... I will. I still won't forgive. I don't blame her, but I won't forgive her for the stupid line of what happens to a toad when it's struck by lightning. Get out of here. The same thing that same happens thing to everything else. I'm like, everything else. what? Like, I know that's that supposed to, it's supposed to be like a deleted scene that got cut that would explain it. But I'm like, I don't care how you explain it. That's a dumb line. <laughs> it's supposed to sound cool, but it's not cool at all. It's like you just electrocuted Darth Maul. That should be cool, but it's not. <laughs> I mean, the scene itself is so it's it's really cool. But then she says that line and it's just. Yeah. yeah. Like, but then no on the way. flip side, Catwoman, often regarded as one of the worst comic book movies of all time. Believe it or not, I have not seen this yet. I'm sure I will get around to it. Um, but if there's you any should. redeeming grace to Catwoman is that it is completely unconnected to Batman at all. And I don't get why. Yeah, I don't get why either. I kind of get it. I kind of get it because um, it was originally supposed to be Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman. Oh, but it got stuck in development hell for so long that she left uh, a whole bunch of directors left. And so it eventually fell in the lap of Halle Berry. That's why we have the Catwoman movie. Okay, that makes sense. But. Um, you know, we should make it. We should make Catwoman this uh, July's. Uh, um, what's five it called? Good things. Five good things. Maybe that that's a that's a candidate. I'd be down for that. <laughs> I mean, I'd be down. I'm not exactly down for it, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I got two words for you. Unfortunate men. So I will say though, in Halle Berry's defense. Uh, there's no way around how bad the movie is. But she accepted her own Razzie win for how bad it was. Fair enough, man. I mean, like she she owns how bad Catwoman is. Like she completely owns it. She accepted that Razzie. She's just like, you like me. You really like me. I'm like, all right, Allie. <laughs> all right. Good for you. <laughs> Pretty obvious. Yeah. She's Storm. Um, but I will say with Storm, I'm totally fine when someone else replaces her just because she's always fine, but not completely mm-hmm. irreplaceable. Like Wolverine is going to be a lot harder to recast in storm. Yeah, I agree. Um, and recast her from even whatever actress played her in uh, apocalypse. Yeah. Well, speaking of X-Men segue, we have yeah. a fellow X-Men that again, People are going to forget that he was in a DC movie. Uh, James Marsden, also known as one of my doppelgangers, him and Nicholas Holt, um, <laughs> played Cyclops for Marvel in the original X-Men movies before completely unceremoniously getting killed off at the beginning of the third one because Brett Ratner hates people. Um, 
but he also no, played. No, we just all hate Cyclops. <laughs> no, we just hate the movie version of Cyclops because he is kind of a dick. So, like, <sighs> he played backseat to Wolverine too much. No, it's not. Yeah, it's unfortunate. But on the flip side, James Marsden was also in 2006's Superman Returns as Lois Lane's uh, boyfriend, Richard. Yeah, Richard. Wow, shows you uh, how impactful that performance was. I completely forgot that he's in Superman Returns. <laughs> well, everyone forgets about Superman Returns, which, quick side tangent about Superman Returns, it's, I was about to say, it's not that bad. The first half of it's actually really not that bad. It's a pretty good Superman movie. But the thing that always gets me riled up about Superman Returns is people forget how good Brandon Routh is in that movie. <laughs> He's really, really good as Superman. He's a really good Christopher Reeve Superman because Brian Singer, for better or for worse, is basically just trying to make a sequel to Superman 2. And Brandon Routh is actually a phenomenal Superman. And he did a really good job with what was asked of him, which was a very, <laughs> very boring movie. But the first half was, wasn't too bad because, you know, stuff actually happens in the first half of the movie. And then it comes to a screeching halt and nothing happens. And Superman has to lift an island and Kevin Spacey's in it, and now those scenes are incredibly suspect. <laughs> no! Because Kevin Spacey and that. Brian Singer. Oh, uh, boy. Oh, gross. Gross, gross, gross. Uh, but actually, I don't mind James Marsden's character in Superman Returns. I actually like him a whole lot more than Lois, because Lois is so unlikable in Superman Returns. Yeah. I think in the issue that James had with Cyclops, like you said, he's always playing second fiddle to, to Wolverine. He never really has like a true leader spotlight. Um, and I mean, Scott Summers has never been the best person when it comes to characters, at least in the comics. So, but at the same time, like he's supposed to be the leader of the X-Men. So it's, it's kind of what I thought it was that, supposed to be Wolverine. Cause that's how the movies yeah, have done the, it. Yeah, and that's always something that's annoyed me. Yeah, I don't think that'll be the same when it happens in the MCU. So I, I agree. I feel like we're pretty confident saying James Marsden, the point goes to Marvel for this one. Yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those points that's kind of like, yeah, I mean, it happened. <laughs> now, uh, this one is the only person on our list that's actually like a full-fledged main character I think I would say yeah. like one of the bigger characters yes um, because he has significant roles no okay I know what I was going to say this is the only character that's appeared in both the MCU and the DCU yes as main characters yes as a main character and that is Lawrence Fishburne for both yeah. his role in Ant-Man 2 as Goliath and Man of Steel as um oh what's his name Perry White the news um the head guy for the Daily Planet yeah. I have my thoughts on this but uh Josh why don't you take this one first because you're the big uh, Ant Man I'm, fan here yeah uh, I'm an Ant Man fan not Ant Man two fan really uh, I completely forgot that Lawrence Fishburne is in the second one I actually like Ant Man and the Wasp more than the first one. I might need to go back and rewatch them, but <laughs> I remember more from the from the first one. 
Interesting. Um, I'm actually on the flip side. I liked him in Ant-Man. I much more enjoy him in Man of Steel and Batman vs. Superman as Perry White. Okay. Because for so long, we've had this idea of what Perry White's supposed to be. And Lawrence Fishburne's that prime example of you can recast a character and have a different race than what's on the comic book page and it still work incredibly well. He feels like, yeah, this would be a guy that runs a newspaper. It seems believable. I really liked his Perry White a lot. Um, Wish he had more to do at times. Um, But then again, that would make the movies a little more bloated and heaven knows Batman vs. Superman was already bloated enough. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just, I don't know, I liked Perry White. I think the scene that for me that really won me over was the scene when Superman and Zod are just destroying all of Metropolis and Superman does not care that he's destroying a whole city uh, just so Zack Snyder can have his destruction porn. Um, but there's that stupid scene where um, Jenny Olsen, because there's not a whole bunch of issues there, uh, but she's crushed under the rubble and her and um, Perry White and Lombard are trying to rescue her and they're like, we're not going anywhere. It's like, oh. We're actually showing humans as good people, but we can't show superheroes as good people, apparently. Um, Correct. <laughs> but that's one of the only times I've seen like he- people helping other normal people in a superhero movie. But also, I just, I don't know, I really liked his Perry White, and I hope we get to see more in A Man of Steel 2 someday, please. It'll happen. I guarantee. So, I lean more towards DC on this one with Man of Steel, but... I think you're the same way, I'm assuming. Yeah, mostly because I don't remember his work at all in Ant-Man 2. <laughs> mm. But yeah, no, he, he's a he's a it's interesting because I can't see the Daily Planet having a different person in in as as Perry White now. Yeah, I, he's, I can't. He's just become so more. synonymous with it. Yeah, exactly. And he's such a strong character. And I think in a lot of ways he some of the stuff his character says is very much like the audience's reaction sometimes where like when he says nobody wants to see uh, Bat- superman uh, sorry no one wants to see clark kent fight Take, batman yeah or like, like how he believes that lois found something but he's just like i believe he found something We're, we still don't want to publish that because send the world into panic as opposed to let's grab the headline because it would be cool and make us a lot of money yeah exactly now, for our last one, we picked the king of the geeks himself, Megatron, Elrond, Red Skull, and, of course, his role in a DC comic movie, V for Vendetta. We're, of course, talking about Hugo Weaving. Mm, the man, the myth, the legend. Love me some Hugo Weaving, even though he said he's pretty much done with, like, big genre films. Which I, I don't blame him because he's he's literally done nothing but big genre films for a long time. But he said that and then he immediately showed up in uh, what's that one where like all the buildings on wheels and move around. By Peter Jackson. Oh, geez. I was it moving moving cities or something moving. Castles? Something like that. Yeah, he was in that. I was like, really? I thought you were done with genre movies, but just done <laughs> with genre movies that aren't Peter Jackson. I mean, it's Peter Jackson. It has to be good, right? Hobbit. Right? Right? <laughs> yeah. But today, we'll be looking at Red Skull for Marvel versus V in V for Vendetta for the world of DC, because that is a DC comic movie. And mm-hmm. probably one of the more underappreciated ones, except for like the diehard edgelords on the internet. 
Um, this is not even like a comparison for not like not even a, a hard choice for me. I, I but I, I'm curious of what you'll say. Oh no, this is not close either. But I want to give credit where credit's due to Red Skull, mm-hmm. who of course will be taking second place here. Um, yeah, Red Skull. He's tried the most with what he's given. But to me, Red Skull feels very much like a phase one villain. Of We don't quite know how to flesh out our villains. He just feels very like a classic, traditional, not very complex or memorable villain, other than the fact that it's Hugo Weaving and he's red. Um, yeah. But he does really well with what he's given. It just was that was before Marvel, Marvel really knew what they were doing with their villains. Whereas True. V, like, dude, that's a whole other level. It is, and it's it's crazy. the The kind of script that he was given from those films, like the the amount of monologue that he has, it's not just like, oh, and then my my parents died, and now I'm sad. It's it's like very eloquent and very well, like well versed, like high levels of vocabulary. Like, it, there's no way that that was an easy script to memorize. Also, almost everyone else we've talked about here today has had the luxury of we see them on screen. Hugo Reaving, we still see him, but he's covered by a mask for 99% of this movie. And even the scenes that we see him, we don't actually see that it's Hugo Weaving. So he has to more or less convey everything he's feeling just in his voice and just in his voice and in his motions. And he does su- such a good job in V as V because he just like like I said the monologues he, he he has to convey so much emotion whether that be a fake emotion to present a a facade to certain people or whether that be uh, just these like devilishly charming and and just intelligent speak like that he's he does for so many people because the thing is v is really not a good person he is absolutely an anti-hero leaning more towards villain but the way hugo weaving portrays it he and his voice kind of like lull you into a false sense of security and then he'll do something really shocking and then you're like oh yeah you're a bad guy but i still want to be around you because you're really charismatic yeah, it's one of those, he's a bad guy, but he's almost necessary. He's necessary evil. Bring yes, it back to Bane. <laughs> but yeah, that's not even close. That's, that's yeah, V. It's, it's that's v, v for Vendettas. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I literally, always the 5th of November, I'm, I, I intentionally try to do something with V for Vendetta. Oh yeah, always around that time. It's just... And that's one of those movies that it was very of its time, but it has aged even better over time that you're watching it now. Mm-hmm. Like, this is uncomfortable how <laughs> how much this hits home. Yes. Yes, it is. Like, it, uh, I would say it's aged well, but it hasn't aged well in that I don't. It's it has aged well in this. Uh, yeah, it's aged well in the sense that it's still applicable to us today. And that's why it's a rough watch in all the right yes, it reasons. Is. Well, what do you guys think? Who are some people that have done extremely well in both Marvel and DC? And who do you prefer 
their acting performances. Let us know in the comments below. We always like hearing from you guys. And as always, if you like what you hear and you want to hear more, subscribe to us on whatever audio platform you're listening to us on, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. And if you haven't already, subscribe to us on YouTube at Uncharted Media. And as always, stay sharp with you guys and gals.